Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's go back to 2011 with Squidge. Let's look at the World Cup again with Squidge. Hello, and welcome to episode three, the third episode. It's a huge coincidence those two happen to fall together of the Squid Rugby World Cup Rugby Retrospective Rugby Podcast Rugby, which is a huge mouthful and too long a title. I was considering calling it This American Life, but apparently that's taken and irrelevant. So instead, here we are doing the Squid Rugby World Cup Rugby Retrospective Rugby. Uh, my name's Robbie Owen. Hello, but if anyone's going to be called Squidge, it might as well be me. And joining me today is, as ever, my name is Will Owen, and I have a question for you. Good. Okay, ask me your question. Are we going to be talking about rugby quite a lot today? I think rugby might come up. Okay. I think we might look down that, that corridor of the M6. That's a relief. I hope it's the M6. I hope we've got the right motorway there. I have no idea. CV22, I think, is the postcode. Cool. Okay, because you work in a post office, so you know those things. The right area of Warwickshire, yeah. I hope, comes up today. So, what is going to be coming up today, though, is an actually really great game of rugby. Now, I think when a lot of people say, oh, they're going to be talking about Fiji against Namibia from 2011, they think it's a proper rugby hipster, pointless, nothing game. How in fact, In fact, it's one of the greatest games I've ever seen in my life. I can't I love this game endlessly. The first half in particular, I think, is one of my favourite halves of rugby I've ever watched. And the second half, watching it back today, is very good. I'd watched the first half back on YouTube a few times, but the second half, I don't think I'd ever watched back. I might have seen highlights, but I hadn't just sat down and watched it before, since it went out. At risk of sounding like Eddie Jones, whatever sport they were playing in the first half, I loved it. <laughs> it wasn't cricket. It wasn't, remember, Trevor Brennan. Well, to be fair, judging by the points scored, it might have been cricket. <laughs> yeah. So... This match finished in the end, 49-25 to Fiji, but it could have been even mentaler than that. It, it was a game that could have, I mean, there were so many different points in which people were scoring or could have scored. There was so much going on. The patterns of scoring were insane. The ways in which they went about it. It was such a bizarre game that I've never quite seen anything else like it. No, as I say, like, it seemed like a different sport. And, like, the way that you had to count, sort of, like, Namibia going for the three points all the time and mm. Fiji coming back with seven. And that's what we'll come on to this, obviously, later on. But that whole thing, and you sort of realising that Namibia were doing a good impression of a team that were in the game at this point when they basically had no possession. Yes. Oh, it was just mental. So to quickly run through what happened, to kind of sum up, I guess, the key events for anyone that either hasn't seen the game in nine years or hasn't seen the game at all. Right, so the game kicks off, and I think everyone at the time is assuming Fiji, and it's a good Fiji team. They obviously, 2007, made the knockout stages. They'd gone and they'd caused a few upsets the previous year. They'd drawn Wales in Cardiff. Um, I think they'd beaten Scotland, or they'd almost beaten Scotland around that time as well. Like, it was a pretty good Fiji team. And let's face it, no matter what Fiji team you have, they're going to be entertaining. Exactly. And they were playing a Namibia team who really 
going into the game, the only one of their players playing at the highest level was Jacques Berger, who yeah. was at Saracen at the time. I think he just finished his first, maybe second season at Saris. Yeah. He obviously went on to play, I think, eight there with them. He played like most of his career. They had a few, you know, reasonably good players and a few players who always stood out in the kind of the Churchill Cup equivalents and the, the lower league things. Yeah. But really, it was even more so than the last two World Cups. You're looking at the Namibia team and going, oh, well, the only player we know is Jacques Berger. And that isn't necessarily should be the case, because as we'll get on to, there's a few real stand-up players in that number B team. But going into the game, people were looking at it, and I watched some of the punditry before the game, and like Michael Liner just went, yeah, feed you have too much of them. He was really confident about that from the BITV coverage. Uh, there's also a bit as well, and this is a complete side note, in which they were talking about Manu Tiolangi, and they were really massively overhyping him, as was the case back then. We kind of forgot how big the Manu Tiolangi yeah. hype thing was. Obviously, he only had two, maybe three caps at the time. Not many. And he'd been yeah. picked to play in the centre in England's first game, which would be in two episodes' time. And there's a bit where Tom, Fom Evans, is talking about him. And he kind of goes, uh, as you can see here on a clip of him playing in the Premiership, he beats, um, he kind of then looks at the player and goes, the defender, because he clearly doesn't know who the player's name is. <laughs> Do you want to know who that player was? Who was it? It was a very young Owen Farrell. No. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, and he didn't recognise, and it was kind of, you looked at him and I'm like, actually, there's a chance I wouldn't have, actually, I probably, probably would have because he'd been in the end-20s team the previous year and been yeah, fantastic. Yeah, but I probably wouldn't recognise his face quite as clearly no. as he do these days. And he had that kind of weird pudding haircut. Mm. Anyway, this is a complete aside. The game begins, and Namibia get a penalty about 60 yards out, and they, their 20-year-old student at 10 second opts cap. to go for goal. On his second cap, opts for goal and nails it with change. Like there's still room to go after he the kicks thing a penalty. About this is I can remember as watching that at the time, but mm. even watching this back the other day, I still wrote down as this happened: the mad lad is taking a shot from 58 yards on his second cap, and then underneath the small print, he's only gone and bloody nailed it. <laughs> So this is Tinas Kotzer, who was, I think, 19, 20 years old at the time. As I say, when he was second cap in Namibia, he was due to have won a third cap or a fourth cap that summer, but he didn't have a Namibian passport. So even though he was born in Namibia, he wasn't qualified. He couldn't go out and win more caps. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he was a student at University of Joburg at the time. Mm. So born in Namibia, lived there for a few years, then grew up and lived in South Africa for a long time and kind of came through the South African age grade system. And then was playing in the South African students team. And that was where he was noticed by Namibia. And then, well, this, this guy was born in Namibia. He lived here yeah. for like the first five or so years of his life. We're having him. Yeah. Because he has one of the biggest boots you'll ever yeah. see. And that's the thing. There was something hilarious about seeing a player that we've never heard of. Yeah. Stepping up to take this penalty from 58 yards out, nailing it. And I was thinking like, you know, you think in the sense of, oh, well, if they give away any penalties from that range, then he's just going to boot yeah. them over. You know, and you think of him as that sort of player. For the next three minutes. Exactly. No, so there's a... I'll just stay on this as well. Because there's a moment in the first half as well where <laughs> then maybe you get a penalty in the corner of the pitch, 40-odd yards out, like between the 10-metre the line and the halfway line. And you kind of... My brain goes, oh, it's an easy three points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From a player that you'd never heard of beforehand. Yeah. My, and it isn't even like... Even if you've been watching Namibia play every week... You probably didn't know much about this lad. Yeah. He, okay, he played one game, but he did score 19 points in that game. Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> he was just kind of coming out of nowhere. This is how you announce yourself to the world, Tina's Kotzer. And yet he, he immediately comes out, scores this amazing kick from well inside his own half, just absolutely wellies it over. And then from there, almost immediately, Fiji regather the kickoff. They run downfield, Gonover scores in the corner. Basically effortlessly. <laughs> 
Yeah, and we'll get onto this in more detail. But then after after Gondor scores, then maybe they get into the twenty-two, and they straight away Kotsa drops a goal on second phase. May I add, second phase he drops a goal. Namibia then get back downfield. They have a bit of a maul in the twenty-two. They set up. They just send a centre into the middle, and immediately Kotsa drops a goal. Right. I want to add something here. Me talking yeah. about second phase. It took until the seven seven and a half minutes into the game before a Namibian caught the ball. <laughs> and they scored three points by then as well. That's amazing. And somebody catches a ball that was the first pass of the game as well, which they caught. Yeah. And then they took it in and dropped a goal on second face. <laughs> so only one person other than Katsu had touched the ball by the time he'd scored twice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And also, with his second drop goal, it's worth doing yeah. a little bit of a... Di- not a deep dive, a very shallow dive on this. But Kotsa very bravely takes the ball on the like a chip over the top from, I think it was mm. Momo Valu, mm. and he takes very yes. bravely. And then, as soon as he sees contact coming towards him, he ships the ball onto somebody else who can take the ball in. And that's not because he wants them to make any gain. That's because he wants yes. to be free to get into the pocket, and literally three <laughs> seconds later, he scored again. No, this is so. This is this is the third drop goal. Oh, this sorry, is the third drop goal. Sorry, yes, which is a spoiler because that's what happens. So Fiji then clear from the kickoff, and as you say, they they run it back, they kick it back a bit, and then two minutes on from his previous drop goal, Kotsa takes as you say a chip. He makes a lovely little break, and he instantly ships it on to Van Vake center alongside him who crashes it up and Kotsa immediately drops back into the pocket and drops a third goal. And the best thing is this wasn't an easy drop goal as well. The previous two were, he was sort of between the posts. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was in the 22. Like they were very kickable penalties. Like I think the longest one was maybe 30 yards. Yeah. Whereas this one is properly like, he's pretty much in the corner. It's a really difficult shot and he effortlessly yeah, just it, nails it. He doesn't it. ask his forwards to set up for anything. He's got no blockers or anything. He just calls for the ball in the pocket and then just goes, yeah, I'll slot this again then lads. Yeah. How do you feel about that? And also the one you were talking about earlier where he runs the loop and the 12 crashes it in and he just drops straight back into the pocket yes. and like it's a very promising attacking position but he just kind of mugs off his own centres by saying nah lads we're just yeah. having a three here <laughs> and then the game kind of becomes you know back and forth and Fiji score those tries and then um, Namibia kind of kicking penalties and drop goals to keep them in range and it becomes just like back and forth of like seven against three until about ten minutes ago Namibia are I think about ten points down and they blow a try scoring opportunity. Then moments later, Fiji kick a penalty. Then Napoli and Langer scores yeah. in the corner, and that kind of takes the game out a bit. It kind of looks far more, far more unbalanced on the scoreboard than it necessarily was. But also, Fiji were clearly the better team. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like they scored so many tries just by kind of getting the mm. ball and going like, "Oh, should we score now, lads?" And then passing the ball, yeah. and then basically just doing Fiji things. It was six tries by Fiji. Yeah. And yet that scoreline looks respectable to Namibia. Yeah. Well, Namibia did everything they could to take points when they got into 22. Yeah. In that they were literally dropping goals the moment they got there. They weren't taking any risks. They weren't setting. They weren't looking to see if anybody was on wide first. They were just dropping yeah. goals. And I love that. Yeah. I, love, I love that so much. I can remember that by the time Gonsard slotted his third drop goal, we, watching this at probably about 4am in the morning, I think it was by this yeah. point, we were totally delirious. And we yeah. were losing. We were in stitches. And I can remember we put on a bet of how many drop goals he going to score yes. by the end of the game. I said eight and you said five. Sadly, he didn't drop any more. So you won the bet. No. Oh, but if he could have equaled Yanni De Beer's record, oh, which is, of course, five drop goals in the World Cup match. entertainment. Yeah, okay. This was the thing. Right, okay. So I noticed as well, pre-game, they brought the World Cup out. They had they the did, World yeah. Cup there. 
and they ran out past it, which is exactly deserved because this game won the World Cup for yeah, me. Yeah, this was the final. This was... It's a proper glorious clash of styles. Like, to, to, to emphasize it, there's a moment where I was flicking through my notes just before starting this. I noticed I just wrote the words, absolutely love it in all caps. <laughs> I've got no idea what I'm referring to. Yeah, I've got a I, lot I, I like just got that. excited. Yeah, yeah, I just got excited about the game in general. I have one that says, what the hell is happening? And my pen runs out halfway through happening. <laughs> which sums it up quite a lot. So, as I say, and there's also, like, there's this glorious thing that if you look at the stats, possession 50-50, yep. territory 50-50. And I, I love that. Like, scrums 11-all. Like, all the stats are so even. Yeah. And there's also something in the way that you look at it and you kind of think, well... It felt very much like this clash of stars that maybe you were just dropping goals left, right, and centre, and Fiji were doing mad Fiji things. They were just offloading and sort of full on bar bars rugby. But actually, Fiji kicked the ball more than Namibia did. Yeah. And Namibia offloaded more than Fiji did. Wow. So it kind of became. There were points in the game in which the other team would just do an impression of the other side. <laughs> So there was sort of once Namibia had fallen a bit behind, they just started chucking the ball about, and you can almost see oh, like that was lovely, there's a it? switch turns, and they have like two passes playing the row where they're literally offloading every single tackle. Oh man! And they just come completely demented and full on like Barbar's rugby. Yeah, I can remember. I mean, the player that was probably the most entertaining to watch in that game was for me, Danny Van Veit. Yes, who was in like his first year of international rugby, and as soon as Fiji had opened up and just started doing mad offloads and you know Fiji things, he fully embraced that and he was like, "Right, I'm taking it to you, lads. You're getting a taste of your own medicine." And he was just battering into everybody, and he was just loving it. There was a point where, as well, Dani Dames on his first cap for Namibia. And basically, I mean, he's thrown in here. You're the coach and you're saying, oh, you know what? You're going to live your dream. You're going to get your first cap for Namibia. How would you fancy marking Napoleone Nalanga? Good luck, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, go on. And then literally about six, seven minutes into the game, Eugene Yanchis gives him a ball on the, the blind side where he's just got a one-on-one yeah. with Nalanga and obviously Five gets smashed onto yeah. Dutch. yeah. Okay, so Namibia spent a lot of time. Every time they had a chance to attack, they just chucked it straight to Dames. Yeah. And he has one chance where he gets held up over the line, which is really well yeah, to get does, over yeah. and just kind of stay in. Bit help from Berger. But, yeah. But other than that, there's kind of this... There's a lot of the chances where they're chucking it to him and he's doing okay, but he's being smashed into touch or he's, yeah. it wasn't on. There's one chance Clearly when... Jo- yeah. But Jacques does really nicely, he kind of draws his last man, puts oh, it yes. to him on the wing. And he makes this little bus, he kind of gets away from the cover, and he goes to put through a little, like, low trajectory kick for himself to chase. Yeah. And he just kicks it straight into the hands <laughs> of, it's Natali Talley, isn't it, covering? Yeah, I think so. And uh, clearly he's just seen that on television. He just thinks, like, oh, the cameras are on me. I'm playing world-class rugby here, boys. You know what? <laughs> I'm, if I'm going to chip this guy that I've probably seen on the telly before and not execute it well, then that's fine. <laughs> So I believe Darmes was playing Curry Cup at the time. He certainly has. Yeah, he was. I'm pretty sure he was picked up while he was playing for I think the Leopards or the Greek Wars or yes, something. Yes, it was the Leopards. Yeah. Um, Leopards. Yeah, he was picked up by them by Namibia. Picked up sorry from them by Namibia uh, and came right in. And they they were really like, we've got this dangerous back who plays at quite a high level. We're gonna chuck it to him all the time. And there's a couple of moments in the second half where he gets some space and he actually make, looks really dangerous. Yeah, no, no, he's good. But I said, there's a lot of points where. It really wasn't on, and it made him look like a far worse player. Because he's a perfectly good player. Yeah. He's a good, solid winger. Yeah. And he does his job. And like, as I say, the, the chance where he's held up over the line, he does really well to kind of fight his way over. Definitely. And actually, that move was really effective. Just the eight crabbing really sideways, and then passing, doing a mispass yeah. right out to the wing. Yeah. Which is kind of an old school move. And I don't know... 
in a way, I don't know if it would work now, but I think it would work if you had a number like Toby Faletau, who's a really good yeah, passer. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, I was going to do like the inverse of that and say 12 like Hadley Parks. Yes, that's true. But yeah, Darmes is kind of, he's made to look, he's put in a load of really difficult positions and he does as well as you'd expect to do in them. Yeah. And then when he finally gets some space in the second half, he looks very good. Yeah, no, no, played well and clearly enjoyed it. So yeah. But as you said, like every single player on this team basically found something to do. Yeah. There was every player was involved and every player from both sides was fairly active and doing something cool and fun and exciting or mad. I don't think a single player had a bad game from either team, no. which is such a corny thing to say, but I genuinely believe that. And when can you ever look at that and say that's the case? Yeah, it's such a rare thing. And like Namibia, you know, you can say they were punching above the weight and that's fine. Mm. And a lot of the sort of the pundits afterwards were saying Fiji played quite poorly because they're letting a lot of points from Namibia and stuff like that. But that was... They were playing against a side who were at the top of their game. And Fiji, while they yeah. weren't spellbinding, they were, they were still great and great to watch. And everybody had at least a 6 out of 10 game, I thought. Exactly. Okay. So we spent 15 minutes kind of just frothing over the game. Yeah. Shall we begin looking at points in detail? Because I think we, we may be best off. I said the Kotsa penalty at the start, we've kind of talked about. Yeah. We've kind of covered. That's good. It's a fantastic shot. As I say, he made 19 points on his debut and then followed it up by kicking a penalty from long range. And there was something about his sheer confidence yeah. in that first half. And because also, like, it's a really complete performance from a 10. Really because is. his passing was excellent. Yeah, and he brought so much shape to that back line. And sometimes yeah. he had forwards who were looking slightly lost in midfield, and he was directing them left, right, and centre. Yeah. There's a great moment as well where he basically invents the one three three one. Um <laughs> When Namibia are in the 20, or the, on the edge of the 22, they're pretty much on the line. And... The they've got kind of a forward set of three set up, and it's kind of going to be like a standard twenty eleven kind of forward yeah. pod carry, and you chuck to one, and then the other two latch on, and they kind of drive them a bit, and then clear out. Except Kotsa then basically runs in and intercepts it, and fires it out to the furthest man, who goes for a bit of a gap. Yes, and it's like he basically invents what is now modern forward play. Like, he invents the modern forward structure. Yeah. Everything he did, he did with so much conviction. Yes. Even if it looked like it was going to go wildly wrong. And, like, there was, he made maybe one or two errors in the whole game, I think. But yeah. he had so many touches and just so many things to do. And it was yeah. great to watch. Again, second but cap. Like, he was playing with such big balls, big dick confidence. That you kind of, If someone had said to you before watching it, this is the best 10 in the world, you'd have believed yeah, it. Yeah, you would. <laughs> he kind of came out like like i'm carlos spencer what of it yeah. <laughs> kind of you know <laughs> look at me everyone's eyes on dan carter it should be on me and he had this just insane level of confidence but he wasn't like he did try to pick a fight with one of the fijian forwards right at the end <laughs> which was quite funny <laughs> but other than that yeah. it's also like he goes off injured with one minute to go because he kind of properly like begins twisting his body and doing this mad kind of reverse like Gareth Edwards reverse yes. pass <laughs> whilst one of the Fijian back rows lining him up <laughs> and he just kind of he looks at him and he kind of knows what's going on so he does this reverse pass opens up his ribs completely and has to go off because it hurts to be smashed by a Fijian yeah. but both that and his fight with, I think it was Ravulo, it's the fact that at the yes. end that he kind of realises the cameras are on him and just like gives him a pat on the side, just like, oh yeah, nice one. You know, you're you're playing at the top level, that's fine. We got into a fight and yeah. I'm a 10, you're a 7, we'll call it even, shall we? And I think there's probably something, the fact that he'd come from playing university rugby, you know, he was playing like, I, I, it's a very high level, like South African oh, yeah, University yeah. League. And like, 
you know, you recently had Dayanti came from there. Yeah, Johan Dessel in the next World Cup came from there. Yes. Like, there's a lot of actually Springboks and Super Rugby players. And like a lot of the Kings team, you look at them, they're all playing at Uni Rugby yeah. in South Africa. It's a really high standard. And that was what he was playing. But clearly, if you're playing with that confidence in that league, it kind of lends itself to this. And it kind of lends itself to that that idea and that being able to walk from, actually, I'm playing at a level that's so many steps down. You will be overconfident. Yeah. I've walked right into my national team. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. 15 points, three drop goals. What a man. Okay, so we've spent this entire time as well. Like They've spent the first 20 odd minutes just kind of establishing themselves very much as a team built around a cooking fly half. You know? yeah. And as I say, they've got a really solid running game. There's a few times when he takes the ball to the line really nicely. Uh, back when that was a big part of a tennis game, was yeah. taking the ball to the line. <laughs> that was a thing people talked about. He does that really nicely. He brings other runners onto the game. And you say there's a lot of points where he creates shape for them. Yeah. And that his passing is excellent. And he kind of has that like weird like long flick pass that players kind of did in the late noughties. Yeah, 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 yeah. He winds it up really precisely. Yeah. And throws it with like so much conviction. Yeah. And he... It's almost a cliche and it's almost, it should be expected, but he properly brought runners onto the ball yeah. rather than just passing to them. You know, he passed four, not two, and blah, Definitely. blah, blah, blah. But they're very much built on, you know, like there's another, there's a long range kick he does into the um, Fijian half, which is like a 50 meter clearance. He did loads of just great kicking rugby and he dropped three goals, which kind of immediately now himself as a kicking fly half yeah. to do that in the space of, I think, seven minutes between the first and the last drop goal. But then there's a bit where maybe you get a penalty between the posts. Yes. And kicking it will put them back within range of Fiji. Like Fiji just began to pull away for the first time. And he takes a quick tap. Just the thing nobody expected him to do. Yeah. They've known him for 27 minutes. And suddenly he just goes and completely bins all those expectations. <laughs> In order how... to beat Fiji, you must be Fiji. But this is it. So Fiji start chucking it about and they, they're quite successful with it. And so Namibia just go absolutely all in. And they begin just chucking everything about completely. Like, I've just got it written down. And he just says, Namibia, and then in all caps, losing their mind. <laughs> there's also, there's a great bit, speaking of Namibians losing their mind. After that third drop goal, there's a Namibian fan as well, who's got a huge Namibia flag, running around up and down the steps and just going wild. This is beyond his greatest expectations. Yeah, he paid his money to fly out and see them score points. Yeah. Fair play to that guy. And like, I spoke to a Namibia fan in just on the streets of Tokyo. I was just like stood in a corner if I was wearing a whale shirt or something. And he came up to me because he wanted help sorting out his SIM card. And he saw me in a whale shirt and figured I must speak English. Oh. And so he came up to me and he, I just talked to him for a bit about the World Cup. And he was honestly expecting Canada to put 30 points on them. But he'd come out to watch every game just because it was like he loves rugby and he loves Namibia. And so for the thought of them taking a lead against Fiji, yeah. them actually pulling ahead and it not being like a lucky lead, them being like, no, actually, we're yeah, dominating yeah, this yeah. as they did for that first time. They went 9 7 up and then basically straight from the kickoff. Yeah, and they just spread the ball and just kind of go like, "Oh yeah, Nakaroa, yeah, you can score, mate. That's fine <laughs> if you want to." And then from the kickoff of that as well, Nakaroa then regathering a box kick and setting up a try for Gonover on the right hand side. This is it. This is, okay, okay. I think we need to stop on this because so Fiji came into this game with a young second row on his ninth cap. Yep, I was going to say he had eight caps going into the game, and he had prior to the game, he almost didn't play in the World Cup because he was at the time in the Fijian military. And 
they had a strict ban under you know, John Key, the Kiwi government, on members of the Fijian military entering the country. And he was also, he just got married. And his honeymoon was due to be that September during the World Cup. And so in order to play in the World Cup, this young Fijian second row cancels his honeymoon and quits his job, which would make him really popular with his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Except that young Fijian second row is a guy called Leone Nakarawa. And a few years later, as a result of this game, goes on to sign that kind of multi-million pound euro contract of Rassic. Yeah. You know, to become one of the highest played rugby players in the world. I think he's now, he was like the 11th highest played player in the world. And Glasgow signed him off the back of his performance in this game because he's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Some of the stuff he's doing for a second row. Yeah, and you get a slight taste of the player he goes on to be. Mm. And he's like on best behaviour comparatively to the 2015 World Cup, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so kind of the first sign we see of him is when Fiji get down into Namibia's half after the uh, the, the penalty. They get into 22, and they kind of have this, like, this appeared to quite loose play. Yeah. And they spin it out to the second row, who then fires this inch-perfect mispass <laughs> yeah. to Goniver. And the really impressive thing about it is, if you go back and look at, like, Goniver's four tries are on YouTube on their own. It's quite easy to find. It would have been very tempting for him as a second row to either crash it in, to just pass the guy next yeah. to him, or to, if you're a second row who knows about passing, to kind of throw a wild, like, loopy ball to the guy right out on the wing. Yeah. He doesn't do any of them. He fires, like, an inch-perfect, like, really quick, precise pass to the guy in space, to Gonover, yeah. who, even if he got caught because there was cover coming across, I think it was two-time Ivy Try of the Year nominee, Chris Bota yeah. coming across, even if he got to him... Gonover then has another man outside him yeah, to offload. Yeah. Um, his decision-making and the quality of the pass for a second row, especially 10 years ago, are extraordinary. He doesn't worry too much about the timing of the pass, does he? No. He, he just thinks, right, I'm going to get it. That guy's in enough space and has enough speed to score yeah. in that corner. And then we then come into moments later, right? So Gonover scores his first try. Yeah. Gonover then scores a second try. And this is... No, 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 no. I've skipped something. I've skipped Nakarawa scoring himself. Yeah, yeah. So Nakarawa then pops up on the end of a move and scores himself. You then have at half-time, like Tom Evans said, it looks like a winger finishing that. He's so comfortable. He's positioning the way he runs onto the ball, the way he just dots it down. Because he's Fijian. Yeah, he's I was going to say. Insane. And he's... He's got a cheat like, code. <laughs> you kind of say, oh, he's Fijian, as though that means more than he's Leone Nakarawa. Yeah. And he's... The most, he might be the most phenomenally talented, like just talented player I've seen. Like next to Gavin Henson. In terms of somebody who can carry the ball in one hand, in terms of dotting the ball down, that's a pretty easy yeah. skill for somebody like Nakarawa. Yes. Well, as I said, like in terms of sheer raw talent, Nakarawa stands next to kind of Henson and Carter yeah. as the most talented players I've ever seen. Yeah. I can scarcely think of any more talented forwards, if any at all. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good show. I think he might be the most talented forward I've ever seen. Yeah. He's insane. And he's also, in the time since, learned to do the hard stuff as well. Yeah, He's phenomenal. And it was kind of... It's very easy to get carried away with yeah. how good he was here. He did also get like a glimpse at the end of the game of the way he carries the ball these days. There's a couple of times he mm. carried the ball and then starts to do the thing where he thinks about, you know, lifting the ball and maybe offloading it. Yeah. And that threat of the potential of an offload just drags one more person in. And even if he then yeah. t- tucks the ball and secures it, there's an extra person in that breakdown. And he's now he's now mastered that as a Absolutely. skill. Absolutely. 
And so, okay, so there's a moment right after him scoring himself in which Fiji regather the kickoff, Kenatali box kicks, and the ball bounces, and Nakarawa himself, having chased the kick, like absolutely flying up after it, regathers it, sprints down the wing, and he then does this like brilliant oh, thing where he's insane, isn't it? Talk us through it. Talk us through he it. He starts running down the wing and he's he does that thing where he strides and he just looks very fast because he's just very mm. comfortably running. And then he slightly cuts inside the Namibian fullback who is two-time Try the Year nominee, Chrisanda Bota. Chrisanda Bota. He ever so slightly cuts inside, but not so much as if he's trying to beat him. He's doing it to sort of mm. shift his body weight back. And then he lifts the ball on his right-hand side to Gonover, who he's not even looked at. Obviously, he's just got the communication from him. Gonover's coming from yeah. his left-hand side onto his right, like a kind of pseudo-switch. And then he lifts the yes. ball perfectly for Gonover to run onto and finish on the right-hand side. Oh, it's, it's beautiful it's exquisite. and wonderful. And... There are so few of the second rows with the pace to get up there. Never mind the awareness to think they've got the space there. Never mind the skill set to get it on. And never mind actually the, the pace to be a threat themselves. The entire yeah. defence draws in on him because he's really quick. Because you think actually this this second row is quick enough to finish this and about pace half of us. So I, as incredibly quick, Namibian man, two-time IAB Try of the Year nominee, Chris Underbota, need to commit to stopping him. And again, you have all the other cover focuses on him. Yeah. And it allows him to put Gonover away down the wing. And it's it's completely remarkable. And so my favourite thing about it is, then I think someone on commentary, or no, I think it's Michael Leiner at half time, then begins to talk about this. And he says, just look at this offload from a second row. And he said, it's like, it's like Sonny Bill Williams. Or like, and then he kind of pauses. And I realise nowadays you'd say, Nakarawa, it's like Sonny Bill Williams. Yeah. Or like Leone Nakarawa. But at the time, because this was kind of his first huge game, like he'd played a handful of tests before this, but they've mostly been PNC, you know, and he played, I think, he, yeah, he played PNC both years. He played against Romania. Otherwise, he's only played against Fiji and Tonga. Uh, and he came off the bench against Ireland. Fine. Yeah. But this was kind of his biggest test up to that point. Yeah, world stage. It's it's that funny thing. It's almost like the thing I said about Owen Farrell earlier, that nowadays that really stands out because you're going, oh, it's this world-class player doing the thing he's best known for. Yeah. But at the time... No one knew who this guy was. No, and That's it. Glasgow block. signed him off the back of this game. Yeah. Exactly. And they found his potential for this, yeah. mostly based around one incredible skill and then revolving a game mm. around that. That incredible skill was just starting to be found here, wasn't it? Absolutely. Ah, oh, it was... He was so impressive. Yeah. And there's, there is one moment we knocked the ball on, though, which is... He's shit, like, under he? no pressure. I know. And it's kind of weird to see him make a handling error that isn't forced by six defenders coming in on him. Yeah. Um, there's another point as well when mm. we're, we've already marvelled at Kotsa quite a lot and we're yes. talking about first half an hour of the game here. But there's another point where you start to think, like, maybe we've got to the 20th thing. Okay, then, Kotsa, mm. I know what's coming here. I know what you're about to do. You're about to take the three points again, aren't you, you silly little bugger? And then he originally sits in the pocket, he swings round and he goes for a chip over the top. And. Right. It just goes slightly too far to the right-hand side. Otherwise, he might have scored himself. Yeah. Is this the, the TMO chance yeah, yeah, yeah. you're talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The sort of five metres out from the yeah, line. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when he swings back round. And again, it falls almost for it's Van Vyck, isn't it? Yeah, Van Vyck, um, or even himself. Yeah, or himself. Ideally, it would have fallen from the top, but I think there's one of the Fijians gets a hand, I think it's kind of tall, like, yeah. gets a hand to it. Uh, and it gets a hand to him. And it kind of leaves Van Vyck then, can't quite ground it. But as you say, it's that wonderful thing of him learning his reputation and using it against Fiji. Yeah. 
there's this kind of mind game going on as well on top of everything of like you know who i am now i've established myself be afraid he spent the first half hour trolling by scoring drop goals then he spends the next half hour trolling by not scoring drop goals (laughs) exactly can we just focus on the Namibian centers for a second yeah because i like them so they had pete van zale and donny van vike in the midfield and there, so Pete Van Zyl, I like because he's he's kind of a, he's a big slabber man, isn't he? Like he's a yeah, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. He doesn't have much neck, and what he does have kind of sits below his shoulders. He reminds me a bit of Andre Esterhazen. Okay, yes, I can see that completely. Yeah, his shoulders are kind of elevated above the level of his neck, so his shoulders kind of finish about his nose <laughs> in terms of height wise, which I like. I like that about him. I like how solid he is. I like how kind of he looks a bit like a cel-shaded video game character. <laughs> you know, he looks like he could be in the Wind Waker or something. He doesn't quite look real, and I like that. Uh, but another thing I like about him is that he seems to have, like, several modes. And there are two moments in this game where he gets into a bit of space, and clearly you see, like, his brain process happen. That he clearly, his default mode is just to smash it up. Yeah, he's quite And direct. you see kind of, like, you see kind of a switch flick. And his whole body language changes. He activates stepping mode. <laughs> and he suddenly becomes a completely different player. Like, suddenly Shane Williams activates in the mold of this, like, massive potato. And he starts just jinking around. Starts running backwards. And just beating everyone. Exactly. Like, he's stepping his own way. Is. <laughs> so he's like, hold on, hold on. When did Gerald Davis arrive? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> he, he, to, but the best it's because there's like there's half a second where you can see him change you can see his whole mindset shift he stops with the ball flicks a switch on his head and then goes right exactly. i've arrived a light bulb arrives on his head <laughs> it's almost like you know the monty python sketch with the philosopher's football match yes. <laughs> when they when they realise they have the Eureka moment and they run out and score this beautiful goal. <laughs> it's almost like that. Like you can see the cogs turn and him immediately go, I'm gonna step. And it's not like Scott Gibbs who just does it effortlessly once. He's like really consciously gone, I've got an opportunity to sidestep. I should do some sidesteps. I'm gonna do some sidesteps. Brian Habana, look out. <laughs> Donny Van Vick, then, his centre partner, is kind of the, the foil for him. He's kind of the, the guy that he needs alongside him. Because Van Vick, and we talked about it a bit, I guess the player you'd almost compare him to is a bit Lucan Yoam. Yeah, I can see that. In that he's solid and slightly, cla- he's nowhere near as good as Am. Like, I don't mean no. to say that as a, like a, but he's solid and kind of classy and kind of an underrated defender. With the potential to go slightly mad. Yes, but without the actual class of Am. Like, whereas Am does that kind of floating onto the ball thing. Yeah. He's kind of like... He's like if you tried to make Lucan Yuam out of Play-Doh. <laughs> I mean, given how much we spoke about Play-Doh on our last episode, I'd like to see where this is going. I'd like you to expand on this analogy <laughs> at some point as we go through this. Expand. Expand like Play-Doh in an oven. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah... Uh, Danny Van Vyck, who again I think is like is exactly the link man this Namibian backline needed because you look at them they've got kind of so also uh, Eugene Yankees their their scrum yeah. off who had played in 2007 as well and played in 2019 like has played in four World Cups now and very established very well respected yeah. but in 2007 he was mostly a fly half and he went into this as a nine slash ten yeah and he since converted to very be a scrum half yeah it's probably worth saying that Yankees was probably the only player that we'd both heard of other than Jacques Berger from this Nubian team. Yeah. And even then, I think I thought that him and Elton Yankees were the same player. 
Though I remember when Elton Yankees came along, like a, it was probably a year or two after this, kind of having that same thing of like, oh, is he or is he related? Mm. Is this like a a bit like the Piatows being like a brother that yeah. plays for Tier Two Nation and then a brother yeah. who plays in the twenties for Tier One? Yeah. There's also there's the the two Namibian hookers as well who I'll briefly touch yes, on. Yes, please. Uh, Hugo Horn, Hugo Horn, great player, yeah. very solid player. And their other hooker, if you thought Hugo Horn was a good name, their other hooker was called Bertus O'Callaghan. What a name. So, no, to go back to Eugene Yankees. So, you can kind of, because as I say, he was a converted fly half, he was a fly half, but he was quite short, and he kind of moves into scrum yeah. half, and then became a scrum half as he went on. You can really tell from his body language, if you watch him close, I don't know if you notice this as a scrum half yourself, mm-hmm. but he's really upright for a nine. In the way most scrum halves are very, like, low to the breakdown, like their yeah. kind of shoulders are crouched over, they're on the ball all the time. Mm. He's always stood upright and he kind of then bends his whole body down and passes it on yeah. in the way you see when like a forward steps in. Yeah, I can see that. I think that was a, a bit more of a trend back in 2011, to be fair, for scrum halves to be stood like that. I think it's a slightly more recent thing for scrum halves to be coached to sort of crouch rather than just mm. sort of sink into the ball, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I haven't noticed it with any other nines. Yeah. This competition Other than so far. Taniela Moa, who always needs like a Zimmer frame <laughs> to get down, pick up the ball. Bless it. No, because he's not that tall. He, d- he couldn't need the Zimmer frame. Yeah, true. And it wouldn't hold his weight. Um, the other, <laughs> other scrum half point, though. Buatava, who I had no memory of at all, came off the bench for Fiji. I only have memory of playing as him on the Rugby World Cup game. <laughs> I don't remember Buatava at all. But he comes on, and he kind of has these two moments in which he's this combination of world-class and just outright terrible <laughs> in which he so he makes like i think it's like his second touch maybe he takes the ball from like a little like probing kick behind and he beats two men and he kind of goes through and he's kind of drawing the last man and he chucks the ball five meters oh, forward yes. into the touch yeah that was yeah. great fun and like, that was such an impressive knock on there's that and jack Berger does one that goes about 10 yards forward mm. and like, i was thinking like, which of those is the most impressive mm. knock on of this game mm. Because Berger carries it to ground. Yeah. And then the ball kind of just spills forward. But it spills properly five yeah. metres forward and almost into touch. And like, like, that sort of knock-on only happens when you're doing an offload, really. Yes. that Right, that knock-on from Berger, as I say, he's already hit the ground. But it only doesn't go out because there was a winger covering in the backfield. It goes. It rolls so far forward into the hands of the winger covering. <laughs> yeah, Like covering back for a yeah. kick. <laughs> talk, talk about turning the wingers and turning the fullback. Yeah. Just love it as far as you can, Jack, maybe, yeah. and tackle. That's fine. Jacques Berger carried the ball far more than I remember. Yeah, he did well. And obviously, you already touched on that two-on-one he executed with Dames. Mm. Like, his ability to carry and his ability just on the ball really showed there. It looked really yeah. impressive. When in later World Cups and stuff, he made more of a point of like, oh yeah, I don't really carry the ball. That's not really my thing. Well, there was that interview with, it was a post-match interview of him where he said something like, hey, I don't think I touched that like egg-shaped thing afterwards. That was a bad Shark Burger impression. Yeah. He follows me on Twitter, so there's oh, an outside chance he might hear this. Yeah. Uh, that was a humble brag. Yeah, it was. Name dropping. But yeah. Nobody who played in this game follows me on Twitter, so. Oh. But so Callahan doesn't fancy it. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But Jacques Bogut, yeah, fantastic player and weirdly more rounded than I remembered because at Saracens, you just thought of him as chop and hits breakdowns. Yeah. He brilliant tackle, like for one of the best tacklers you'll see just because he had no regard for his own body. Yeah, like all of his tackles beyond Dan Lydia level. Like, Dan Liddy had no regard for his own shoulders. Yeah. Jacques Berger for his whole body. Yeah. And he's such a disciplined player as well. For somebody who plays that long yeah. as a number seven at the top level, I think all of his tackles were legal. He would very occasionally give away cynical penalties that break down. He was such a yeah. clean player and a very good leader. He played for Saracens. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. But he was he was fantastic. As I say, it becomes every player was. And also in that Namibian back row alongside him was Tina's Duplessis. The six back row forward, who was very good. Yeah, in a way, I don't Whole think I good. noticed and appreciated quite when watching this game live because there was so much magic going on that you're not watching yeah. for a, a flanker getting involved with the breakdown. Again, you saying that Van Veek being the foil for Van Zael, I think that, mm. that kind of works in a similar vein. Yes, Duplessis with Berger, Nivenhouse as well. Number eight had a very good game. Nivenhouse, yeah, very good. Um, he loves crabbing sideways for number eight, which I don't yeah. mind because he's a very good carrier. Yeah, just as long as he could smash somebody on the other end of it. There was, I, yeah. th- I think it was he did it. There was one point where he got the ball sort of with no real sort of shape planned or anything, no real plan for him, to, but it was kind of messy ball. And he really eagerly just heads for the touchline and sees somebody he might be able to nail. And then he obviously bowls him over, sends him flying while going over <laughs> the touchline himself. Such was his like passion for just carrying the ball in somebody and knocking him flat so okay so there's a great bit in the second half in which just you reminded me of yeah in which Fiji just pointlessly kick long and kind of into the 22 it's a nothing kick and normally you expect the fullback to mark it except most fullbacks are not two-time IOB try of the year nominee Chris Andabota and so two-time IOB try of the year nominee Chris Andabota Clearly, before he catches the ball, thinks, I'm going to have a go here. <laughs> and he kind of catches it, like, running backwards. And there's a few times in the first half as well where he lets the ball bounce, clearly, because he drops his first one, because you can yeah. tell the sun's in his yeah. eye. It's that thing of, and he's clearly avoiding catching it. It's that thing of just like, right, I'm going to have a go here. It's going to look selfish, and my forwards may have a go at me in two seconds' time. But I'll tell you what, if I score here, I'm yes. going to look fucking magic. Exactly. I'm in for my third IRB Try of the Year nominee. Yeah. So, yeah, so he has that moment where one of the Fijians is chasing after him and he kind of does this really forced side step on them and goes. And at that moment, like, he has, in full Pete Van Zale's fashion, activated sidestepping <laughs> yeah. mode. And he's then just beating everyone and he's kind of probably going, 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 going. And then he kind of comes to, like, the eventually the defender he can't beat once he's crossed the halfway line. As he said, he's made, like, 30 metres. He's beaten, like, five defenders at this point. He's, like, it's hugely impressive. It's fantastic. And he just keeps going, going, going. And then when he eventually does, he frees an arm and does, like, a proper, as you say, Sonny Bill or Leonie Nakarawa offload out the back door to P. 
PJ Van Leel, yeah. who is the replacement second row, who's just come onto the field. Not known as an athlete, safe to say. No. <laughs> Good player though. What Van Leel does is he kind of gets the ball in space and he starts running and he kind of has that moment of a lot forward to of looking up and seeing. Oh Jesus Christ! There's 50 meters. <laughs> like, like it's a broken field. I've got to ask for jeans here, lads, as well. And so what he does, he almost he he goes at what I believe is his full pace. He looks like he's sprinting, but he also kind of just like angles himself and positions his body because there's about four fajins in the backfield, and he somehow. In, and you, okay, the comparison I'm going to make is you, you know, when you go bowling, right? And on your first throw, you manage to split it completely. So you've got like the two on either end and like one in the middle. And you've got like, there's no way you can clear them all. Yeah. Right. But you just throw it and somehow they all battle off and you manage <laughs> to hit them all. He manages to do that. <laughs> He's somehow just like bowling balls his way into the four Fijians in the backfield and manages to take them <laughs> all out. And they're not stood in the same space. I, the thing is, but he, he just takes this offload and what he does is he goes, no, I, I want contact and I want as much of it as possible. I've ran five meters already. That's way too much. And all four of those Fijian players are convinced that they've each made the tackle. They're all convinced yes. he's somewhere on the floor three meters back yeah. but he's still just running off into the distance and it isn't even like they, it takes four of them to bring him to ground just all of them yeah. go in him at the same time and all drop him and it isn't like he then carries them along a bit further he immediately like goes down like sack of spuds all like. yeah but he's just it, he's deliberately eyed them up and i kind of rewound and watched that clip again in a yeah he does like he's looking around at all he kind of almost makes eye contact with all of them individually like in an anime way it kind of cuts across and goes boom 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 and you kind of see his eyes and their eyes and then he takes them all down and namibia then try and chuck it about i think actually it might have led to one of their tries yeah i think it does i think that leads to heinz cole's try it does it leads to heinz cole's try i've got this written down in my notes as just in block capitals what a fucking try by cole and i've spelt fucking wrong (laughs) but have you spelt cole right i spelt cole right good okay um so yeah so Maybe then, as we say, like they, they recycle it a bit, they chuck it about a bit. I think Van Zale has a pretty good chance. He kind of makes a bit of a bust. And then they get it out to Heinz Cole. Yeah, and Heinz Cole, second row, you know, pretty respected player. Um, yeah, good player. Good big lad. Mm. And what does he do but skin Murray Fahalu? <laughs> he throws a, like a really outrageous dummy that realistically he was not going to throw a pass that flat. But... He throws that dummy and then he gets on the outside of Muramuravalu, who probably realises at this point tackling's optional. Yeah. <laughs> Carl scores. But when you okay, when you watch it from the first angle, it's outrageous the dummy from the live angle. Yeah. But when you see it from the shot behind the try line, when he's just kinda it actually just looks very much like the right option. Like Muramuravalu yeah. drifts off him and he, he sees that and goes through. And he then makes a bit of a meal of putting it down. And he also has that thing of like, instead of trying to beat the fullback, he just runs for the bit of the try line that's furthest away from, or whoever the cover is rather than fullback. Yeah. Uh, he just runs for the bit of the try line furthest away from them. And he doesn't quite have the pace to make it still. But he does, re- again, really second row. 
He went on to play for Wasps after he this did, as well. Yeah. Wasps signed it's him. It's also um, worth saying good solid that, player. that last phase for Cole to find the ball in all that space was set up by an amazing off-ball tackle by Tidus Duplessis. Who's, I who's, see it. Who eyes up, I think it's Kenitale, who's maybe thinking <clears> about jackaling the ball, then kind of does that thing where he thinks, no, I'm a nine, realistically, I'm not getting the ball. I might get somewhere in the defensive line. And Duplessis just lines him up for about 20 yards and just smashes him nowhere <laughs> near the ball. And obviously Namibia keep the ball as, as a result of that. And it's brilliant. And then Cole, when he's putting the ball down, really forces it into the ground to kind of show off the referee. Like, yeah, this is definitely down. Like he's trying to dig a hole with it. It's fantastic. Should we talk about Namibia's other try as yep, well? Yep, with Dames and Van Veek. We might have confused the finishes of these, by the way. There's an ounce of chance of that. But yeah, Dames and Van Veek making that break. Yes. Down the left-hand side. And the two of them supporting each other really nicely, as if they're just playing on the training paddock, and then sort of realising again they're on telly before getting tackled. And then, of course, the ball goes wide. And Marius, the, Marius, the left winger as well, Yeah, also makes a lovely bust in it. Yes. To, yeah. to mention him. Again, everyone played well. Him and his kind of like weird sandy blonde hair. He looks like an extra in Greece. Yeah. Kind of busting up the wing, sprinting through, gets into the 22. Yeah, sorry, not Damez. I meant Murray, you're marvelled. But yeah. And then, of course, it's spread wide to who else but two-time Try of the Year nominee, Chrysander Bota. Yeah. So the other thing is, if you look at this try as well, the ball comes out initially to Tina Scotzer. He then... Pass on to one of the centres, I forget which one. He then loops round. Really badly. Then, yeah, but it comes off. Yeah. He then passes it on to two-time IOB Try of the Year nominee, Chris Anderbota, who then, and every time on my notes, I've got him written down as 2-T-I-R-B-T-O-T-Y-N-C-B. I've put him down as Bota for short. Yeah, but two-time IOB Try of the Year, Chris Anderbota, then skins his man. Who's not and I will add. yes. Napoleon Langer, who at the time as well had been top try scorer in the Fijian in the French league two years in a row. Yeah, people forget that at the time was just like an insanely great player. He was kind of even beyond the Dolo at the minute, like even beyond the Dolo in the last few years. He was about the highest profile tier two player in yeah, the world. He probably was, and he didn't get any real time or attention in most of this no, game. No. It was hilarious. Should we move on to his try? Should we talk about that? Yeah. Okay. Where literally you can see that the game plan is that uh, Buatava has come on. And clearly he's just kind of thought like, right, I'm going to show off to the coach here that I've got some really good tactics in this game. I'm going to pass the ball to Nalanga. <laughs> and he does that as they get into the 22. And he passes it blindside. And Nalanga's got a one-on-one with one of the front row forwards, I think it is. And obviously just finishes it pretty easily it obviously goes to TMO but mm. it's just a, it looks like it's a stroke of genius from Buatava but I'm convinced that he just thought yeah this guy's pretty good let's give him give him a one-on-one yeah, like, he can score in the corner because he was in that full-on like as all of these like massive quick like South Sea Island wingers tend to have like a season or two of insane form yeah. and the language was very much in his and so it was kind of a surprise because everyone went in with he was kind of the key man everyone talked yeah. about beforehand like the guy to watch is Napoli Langer and then Gonover turns up and scores four tries who yeah. at the time was playing in the championship I think he was playing in the Pro Duck the Pro Duck okay he'd been playing sevens I think he played at Doncaster or something yeah, at the time yeah Rotherham maybe well he played at Rotherham he, yeah. he was playing at Colomier I think it was at the time right okay um, and had played you know he captained Fiji sevens recently yeah. before that and he then comes in and scores four tries you know Oh, okay, they've got two of them. Yeah. Right, okay. they've, got, they've got someone other than just Napoli and Langer, who was brilliant. I think my favourite thing about that Langer try is that 
as Bertov is going to pass him the ball, you can kind of see him looking up. I think it's Bertozzo Callahan who's covering it just on the wing by himself. Right. Kind of looks up to him like, yeah, good luck here, mate. <laughs> it's not like it's then about to round him just so he's catching the ball. Napoli Langer is, of course, still playing. Yeah. Who is he playing for? Um, he's playing in like some kind of fifth division somewhere, isn't he? No. Oh, wait, no. Was... No, 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 no. You told me this. He plays for Ensai or something like that? No, he, okay, he was last year playing in the Russian League. Yeah. But he has since signed and he plays in Paraguay's one, Paraguay's oh only professional rugby team. That's mad. Uh, I'm just going to quickly look up their Yeah, they better their be squad. winning the league. No, because, well, okay, so it's the SLAR, which is the, the Super League, yeah. America, Latin, whatever, um, which is the South American Professional League. It was a, they played one fixture every team, and then the league was abandoned due to the coronavirus. So oh, there's been one round of the entire league since oh. it became. There's been one round of professional rugby in South America. Okay, so speaking of Paraguay's one professional team, yeah, uh, if you look at Uruguay's one team, the Penal is entirely like the Uruguay squad. Basically, those that don't have contracts in the Pro yeah. or whatever. You've got a few others along those lines. Uh, you've got like, the one Argentine team is basically like the Haguaras A. Right. However, if you look at the the squad for Paraguay's one team, the Olympia Lions, Good which name. is a great name anyway. So we have Liam Hendricks, former South Africa under-20s player. Right. There's a Argentine prop who's got a couple of caps called Gonzalo Hughes. That's a good name. It's a very good name. And then as we move further back, it starts to get fun. So in the backs at Scrum Off, they're Damien Stevens. Oh, okay. Who, of course, yeah. now Namibia scrum yeah, off. Good player. Very good, very solid player. I'm surprised not playing higher up. Yeah. But they have the current Paraguay 10, is okay. one of their few kind of Paraguay players' first choice. Right. Then, their back three is Grant Hermanus, who, South Africa under-20s team, of course, I've looked this up before, started over Cheslin Colbert in a couple of games. Really? Yeah. Wow. How the mighty have fallen. Now he's playing in the Paraguay team. I know. And on the wings, they have Fiji's Napoleone Lalanga, formerly twice top try scorer in the French League, in the, in the top 14 as well. Yeah. Not the pro the top 14. And on the other wing, Manuel Montero. Oh, wow. Of Argentina. Fair play. That's yeah. a solid back three by the sounds of it. 27 caps for Argentina. Yeah. Very good finisher. They then got, they've got loads of like solid Argentine players and so on dots throughout their team. Yeah. Maximo Ledesma, who is the nephew of Mario Ledesma. Huh. Is there. He's a tenor centre. No, that's a complete that's tangent. Bad. That's a complete aside. Complete yeah. aside. But yes, Napoli Nalanga, who is now playing in Paraguay. Yeah. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Yeah, no, there was a point quite early on in the second half as well, in terms of the chances that Fiji well just about managed to finish was Gonova's mm. fourth try, where Lova Balabu, yes. who hadn't seen a great deal of ball in a lot of space at this point, breaks mm. through, and Jacques Berger ends him with a tap tackle. <laughs> like, that and Jeff Parling's tap tackle on Jesse Morgan of the Lions in 2013, yes. they deserve some kind of Hall of Fame, just for that kind of moment. A tap tackle Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. Well, is it possible to clothesline somebody with a tap tackle around the rankles? Is Ooh, that maybe. a thing? Yeah. There's another, you've just reminded me, there's another moment, and we actually talked about it a bit, uh, the Marias, the, the winger. Marais, yeah. There's a moment after he makes that break, he kind of sears upfield and he goes to offload, and he kind of, as he's looking up and as he's releasing the ball, he realises the support's cut around completely and gone into ruck behind. 
so there's no one there to offload to. And he then has one of the Fijian forwards get, I think it might have been Liraru, is going down to pick it up. And him, from his position, having just been tackled, he said pounces on the ball. So he's technically then just offloaded to himself. Oh, yeah. He's just a little pass to himself. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoying the occasion. Yeah. It's Getting as many like touches a, as possible. Uh, it's, like, exactly. it's like on Be a Pro mode, where it's just like, make so many passes, <laughs> get the ball as many times as you can. Yeah. But there is like a, because one, one of the Virginians is bending down to pick it up and he kind of just flops like, no, mine, 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 <laughs> and just takes it from him. And yet technically turns it into a Brian O'Driscoll pass to himself. Yeah. They're basically the same player, Conrad Murray and Brian O'Driscoll, right? Oh, absolutely. They're, they're, they're com- literally the same guy. the same player. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything slightly different at all between them. I can't tell you any differences between them. They both had at some point shocking blonde hair. So yeah. <laughs> that makes them the same guy. Very true. Uh, there's another moment as well, and I noticed this. So they then bring on Namibia. I think there's a few changes that... If you want an idea of how different the two teams are, at the same time, Fiji bring on Albert Vuli Vuli, yeah. who is a big old lump. Like, he is a huge boy. Well-established top 14 player as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he is, like... He is an enormous crash ball centre. Like, he's very much in the mould of a 12 at the time. Yeah. Or he played a lot of 13 as well. But yeah. he's very much the mould of a centre at the time who was just a big boy who smashed it up. Yeah. Like solid, reliable, but bam, he does his job. And in the centre instead, Namibia bring on the same stoppage, Daryl De La Harpe. And how how would you describe Daryl De La Harpe? I don't know. He's sort of wiry runner, I guess. Perfectly yeah. decent player. Can Has a decent short range passing game. Yes. He's one of these players as well who doesn't really know how to kick but loves to kick. Yeah, that's probably a fair assumption. He's like the opposite of Josh Adams. Yeah. <laughs> you know that way every time you see Josh Adams kick, your heart's in your yeah, mouth and then um, it always goes really well. Yeah, yeah. That's a fair comparison. So there's there's two moments which he comes on and just thumps it and he kind of thumps it pointlessly long, which I like. But then my favourite moment he has um, is a moment when he kicks it long. He's kind of been covering. And he goes to in the back with a man we haven't actually mentioned once, Seremiah Bai. Oh my God, how have we not mentioned Who was him? playing 12. We've talked for about an hour and we haven't once mentioned Seremiah Bai. Again, quickly, so much Seremiah Bai for me. Um, you know Duncan Weir? Yes. Like, in terms of his proportion for a fly half... Which mm. by basically imagine that, but by like is a bit too big to actually be a fly half. But it's Fiji and the slightly short staffed at fly halves, so he's he's like if Duncan Weir ate himself. Yeah. He's basically a fridge who has a big boot. It's like if people call Duncan Weir either the meatball or pudding. Yeah. <laughs> so my abai is a full three course meal. <laughs> yes, he is. He is a sizable man, is by. Yes. Yeah. He played as a utility back because clearly yeah. they just don't. Fa- a lot of Fijians don't fancy playing ten; they fancy playing a little bit yeah. wider. So when they're short-staffed, he steps in clearly. But he's playing and inside centre in this game with Lovanyani. He 10. was twelve, but he took on most of the responsibility yeah. of game management and yeah, he kicked the goals and so on. Yeah, Lovanyali basically played no position. I totally forgot he no. existed. By the way, Lovanyali. Me too. Me too. Completely. Yeah. Well, I kind of figured that there was someone because occasionally occasionally Seremiabai played centre so I figured there must have been a 10 alongside him yeah well I thought about Nicky Little I'd completely forgotten about him yeah but Nicky Little retired by this point no he he played later on in this World Cup did he yeah he was the first choice with Lovignani second oh of course he was yes 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, your point still stands. But yeah, Sarah Bai, who is a huge fly half, and he's kind of like, he played quite a lot of top flight rugby. I think he's now coaching a school. I think he's like head of rugby is at... It? I want to say he's head of rugby at Canterbury School. But <sighs> you in... don't want to let him down, do you? No. He's the kind of player who could have been extremely good if he wasn't dealing with his body shape. Yeah. In another world, he's like Saleh Mapasua, isn't he? Exactly. In another world, he... He either lost the weight and became a class 10. Yeah. Because he had the skill set for it and the vision for it. Yeah. Or he really committed to his shape and he became a centre who can distribute. Like yeah. a, like Josh Matavesi was for a couple of years. Yeah. Or like, as you say, Salim Not a bad player, by the like, cra- No. No. No, he wasn't at all. Like, he was, he, as I say, he had outstanding vision and yeah. skill set. bloody huge. But he was kind of let down by... Exactly. Like, he was kind of... He almost had too many attributes that got in the way of one another. Yeah. Yeah. But he was a big old boy. And there's a moment, as I say, in which Donny van Vyck has hoofed the ball downfield and Bai's covering the backfield. And Bai then goes to kick it back. And as he's doing it, <laughs> not van Vyck, sorry, uh, Della Harpe, <laughs> goes in and he begins to drop a shoulder to drop it late after Bai's kicked it back. And he looks up, sees who it is and runs off in the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of, instead just shoulders nobody. Good on you, mate. Because he's clearly doing that like, oh, I was committed. Sorry, I couldn't do it. And he kind of goes, shit, that guy's twice my size. And, <laughs> and all do those it. friends look so hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He might like, get Akabuzi and Gera on me. I was about to say, they've just brought on Akabuzi and Gera. I'm going nowhere near them. <laughs> Can you sub me off now, please, coach? Yeah. <laughs> Being able to bring Gera off the bench as well. Yeah. And also, they'd left like, out Matadingo. Yeah. Oh, he was a good player. He was. I Oh, man. No, because they're starting back row. Waikabalotu, Ravulu, and Natani Tale. It's with good back Leone Nakarawa. They also had their captain from the front row, Tighthead, was Deacon Marnie. Yes. Who Scarlet's fans will remember, and nobody else. Bizarre that he was Fiji captain, isn't it? Yeah. Well, because literally a year earlier, like to a day, a year before that World Cup, there was talk of him playing for Wales. Yeah. And then he was named in the Fiji squad when he just qualified in residency for Wales. And Adam Jones was injured at the time. And they didn't have a cover tight head. Yeah. And there was talk of him being the guy they brought in. I think Craig Mitchell was injured as well. They had two injuries at tight head. That's a throwback as well, Craig Mitchell. Yeah. And in the end, they ended up playing Paul James at tight head. They ended up moving him across yeah. from Loosehead. But there was talk of Deacon Marnie being who they called up. And then he got named in the Fiji squad like a week before the Wales squad and no one knew who's Fijian qualified. Yeah, and he was captain of Fiji within like a month of being called up as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was captain like by their... their so he, like his first three caps in the autumn and then by the following spring, he was captain. Yeah. And it was completely inexplicable because he kind of just played for about two years for Fiji, uh, having, as I say, been Kiwi, played for Mario All Blacks and then went off and ended up playing for Fiji. Yeah. Yeah, when his last cap in 2012. Yeah, fair play. But he was like a solid, you know, just what you ask for a tight head. Oh, yeah. Fine. Uh, but he was their captain at the time. Campesi Marfu at loose head as well. Yeah. Who went on to play for Water Region as well. Yes. But yeah, it was a it was a mad game with a mad Fijian team, an incredibly skillful team against a Namibian team who, as I got noted down at one point, there's one passage of play when Namibia throw nine offloads. <laughs> oh, you love it. The thing is, I wanted to say that Namibia are so sensible they become mad, but that, it's not even that, is it? Like, mm. I guess they approached it sensibly, then just totally came out the other end. Yeah. Well, because they sort of, they went into it going, what we're going to do? And I love the fact that the second drop, or the first drop goal, rather, the second three-pointer, 
is after Fiji have scored their try, is to put them within one point. Yeah. And there's no, if we score a try, we overtake them. Yeah. So, yeah. no, actually, we're playing the long game. We need to take all the points we can. Yeah. We don't have the opportunity we're going to have. Yeah. But that's the thing, though, because, you know, final score 49 25. Mm. It's quite respectable because mm. even if, say, if you're a smaller team, and your opposite team scores about 70 points, and you score 30, 35, that still looks like you're in the game. Yeah. You've got to respect yeah, that. And that's kind of where you come down on Namibia, is that they they started out with a very clear game plan. And then after a while, because every time they got into the Fiji's half, they scored points. Yeah. But the problem was, when Fiji got into their half, they scored more points. Yeah, yeah, And I yeah. think Fiji scored on basically every single fish on the 22, they scored a try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what sums up the game brilliantly. It's just that they'd come in there and then just effortlessly score seven points, which yeah. happens to be more than three. But <laughs> And again, for those drop goals and the penalties and stuff in the first half, all of the Namibian players look so well behaved and like so yes. much like they're, they're playing to their roles. And then eventually there's a point where it's just like, oh yeah, we're sound with these guys, Fiji, aren't we? You know, they're sound, aren't they? Let's just do what we want with them. Let's just mess about with them. And it did feel a bit like that. It did feel like they... Wait, no, it kind of felt like they went, oh, that, wait, we had a really set game plan and it worked. It was great. And then they kind of went about 25 minutes, about half an hour shit, their game plan's better, let's do that. <laughs> they kind of then just adopted the Fijian game plan. As I say, like, around the half-hour mark, somewhere between, like, half half hour and half-time, they threw nine offloads in one passage of play. About 20 minutes into the game, clearly, Jack Berger goes up to one of the Fijian players and says, like, hey, where did you get that outfit from? And then they tell him, <laughs> like, ha I know what you're doing. Or, like, you know in Power Rangers, when the villain always tells the Power Rangers exactly what their plan is, and yes. then they just go, oh, okay, well, this is what they're going to do. So let's just stop them doing that. Mm. And then they'll come back bigger and then we'll become massive as well. And we'll just have a fight that way. That's basically what happened in this game. Somebody yeah. out there is going to get that analogy. <laughs> Niche demographic, rugby players and Power Rangers fans. I make that sound like I still watch Power Rangers. Don't you? I do. Good. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad. The one other note I've got written down, the one other thing, my one last thing I'll add. Hit me. Oh, there's the, okay, there's two things. I think they both kind of sum up just oddities about the game. There's one person playing, I think it sums up for G and rugby in general, but especially how they approach this game, in which Murray Murray the fullback, picks and goes from a ruck. And so in steps the number six to play scrum half, who passes to the hooker who's at 10, who yes. then spins it. He intercepts the 9-10 channel, doesn't it? Yeah. And it kind of, that sums up for Gene Rugby that you can ignore the numbers on the back completely. They don't care. And in a similar moment of ignoring the numbers on the back, there's a bit where Eugene Yankees, the number scrum half, goes to put up a box kick uh, yeah. just outside zone 22. And the box kick blows backwards. And it could have been a disaster because Napoleonian Lang is chasing, except it's stopped by one Mr. Raoul Larson, who is this just like Rombies looking melon farmer, who, yep, debut on, like, as I say, there's a, there's a certain amount of Rombies about him. There's a kind of this, this bold, like, bolder loose head on, on debut. Raoul! Etc. And for some reason, when the box kick went in, he drops back into like the <laughs> winger's channel. Oh, and... That's the definition of I don't want to chase that kick. Yeah, it would have been a try for Nalanga, most likely. There's two Fijians chasing, including Napoleon Langer. But for the fact that their tight head 
who played 80 minutes as well, but for fair yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. And played well, he scrummaged well. Yeah. Oh, their, their scrum was completely on top for the first yeah. half, first 50 minutes. Until they're tired, They just yeah. demolished them, yeah. Big up Johnny Redland Hayes as well. Johnny Redland Hayes, great player. Hero. And Roe Larson, great debut. Yeah. Went on to play the next World Cup as well. I don't remember Larson. He, no, I, I had only vague memories of him. But yeah, he's dropped back to fullback and he saves a try <laughs> through sheer laziness. Clearly he looks at his mate who's been nominated for try of the years and stuff. Thinks, oh yeah, this is my international yeah, exactly. Am I alright to hang around with you here? <laughs> it's like he watched both of Chris and the Boaters try of the year nominated and went, I could do that. <laughs> I could roll over do that. There was also a, a couple of times, I think it happened twice, when mm. two-time IRB try of the year nomination to nominee Chris Underboat and mm. did a dive pass just to kind of flex. He had loads and loads yes. of time and just went, right, cameras are on, let's just show off. Let's just go, <laughs> go for a dive pass here. Because I think that's what this game was at the end of the day, to almost sum it up quickly. It's like, it's the best merger I've ever seen between or one of anyway but no I think it is I think I will go all out it is the best I've ever seen merger between like high end intensity rugby and absolute chuck about yeah and like it feels like a world cup game because you've got teams taking drop goals you've got real focus from both teams it's a celebration exactly both teams are throwing everything at it but at the same time actually at the end of the day they're really enjoying themselves and they're playing mad barbarians rugby and it feels a bit like a chuck about on a park but it also feels like a world cup final it's yeah. it's properly great. It's everything you could possibly love about rugby happens in this game between Fiji and Namibia that no one remembers, no one talks about. Yeah. But I love it. And you knew from about the 50th minute onwards that even if Namibia didn't make another tackle for the rest of the game, their coach was <laughs> praising them at the end of the game. Yeah, because they, they came out, they had a clear plan, they played to it, they did everything they could to put themselves as in contention as possible against a smaller team. And yet, you know, they could have defended with the ferocity that Uruguay did 15 years, or 8 yeah. years, whatever it is later. 8 years, yeah. But they did everything with the ball in hand they could, and they really took their points and they were calm. And unfortunately, Samaya Bai is a better goal kick than Josh Matavesi. So <laughs> that, that <laughs> was not there. No. In fact, if you took off, there, they'd still have won. Yeah. But still, it'd be 30-25 if Josh Matavesi was kicking the goals. <laughs> yeah, so, bonus point. At that point as well, Namibia are playing differently, aren't they? They're taking all their shots still. They're still dropping goals if they're still in in chance flanks of that. Still doing reverse mad shit. Yeah. Which is still mad shit, by the way. Absolutely. And that's what I love about World Cups. I love that Paul Sages throw up games like this. And as I said, there's something about... Tina Scott they probably wouldn't have played like that if it wasn't a World Cup match. No. Standard league game, he's not playing like that. No. Everyone's watching this. This really matters. And also there's that kind of big balls thing of him waltzing yeah. in there's a sheer focus on the fact both teams have built towards this for years i i love everything about this game i love the way the players approached it i love the way the two teams responded to each other i love the the sheer scoring pattern the fact that there are so many like so much back and forth and it's such a great point on part of what i love about rugby is there's so many ways to win yeah and you kind of saw all of them attempted in this game yeah you did. some of them were better than others but everyone had to go at everything you can possibly do to win a rugby match. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And it's kind of, it's that, there's so many, you know, the idea is you want to get into the other half and you want to score points. But yeah. there's so many ways of doing that. There's so many ways to get where you're going. And people approach every single one. You saw Namibia trying like long line-out drives. You saw Fiji throwing mad offloads. You saw them trying like kick passes and cross kicks. You saw them try one really mental like short little dink from nine that was weird and almost worked got smashed into touch yeah. you saw 
two-time IB try of the year nominee, Chris Antipota, trying counterattacks that weren't on and yet managed to get away with. You, you saw that bowling ball move from PJ Van Leel. You saw everything you could possibly want from rugby in this game. And yes, it didn't feature the flashiest, the biggest star players. You know, obviously, Nakawa has gone on to become a huge star since. And by all accounts, really, uh, Larson should be a massive star. But yeah. they weren't huge stars. And as you say, Nalanga was the only one you were kind of looking at and going, he's the standout. Yeah. And yet, from that, from that cauldron, nonetheless, was one of the best rugby games I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. And it's weird that this has come up in match three in this World Cup. Yes. And as you say, like it's not a title of Fiji v Namibia that you expect a lot of. But this no. is, as you say, one of my favourite test matches I've ever seen. So, from there, I think it's time to lead into our final chapter the man of the match and the dick of the day for game three of the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Who was, let's begin, your man of the match? It was difficult. I I mean, I can't ignore Veroniki Gonova scoring four tries. Yes. First and foremost. And a lot of the other Fiji players, I mean, setting up tries from, you know, Nakarol we've spoken at lengths about. Um, I love how we've only given Gonova passing mentions. Yeah, I know. It's mad, isn't it? Speaks volumes with the game more than anything. We took a long tangent on the Langer who barely touched the ball's new team, but we barely mentioned Gonover. Yeah, he just casually scored four tries. Yeah. And again, there's a load of players who signed for new... As I've already mentioned, like Nakarawa signed for Glasgow at the back of this game. Yeah. Gonover signed for Tigers at the back of this game. Yeah. There's loads of examples of that happening throughout both teams. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Man of the match. Yeah. Um, I don't want to make a habit of this because I'm aware in the first game, I nearly gave Sonata Tamalai the man of the match, despite being mm. the replacement prop on the losing team. <laughs> in the second game, I gave Marius Tinku man of the match on the losing team. I don't want to make a habit of this, but I'm very aware that in 2011 and 2015, the official man of the matches were all on the losing team for every yes. single game. Uh, Times got to man. He was just... Yeah. We hadn't heard of him and he brought so much structure and... His kicking is just, it was so entertaining. And yet when we watched this back, already knowing what was going to happen, I thought, oh my God, he was brilliant rather than just mad. And it's as complete a performance as you'll see from a 10 in this World Cup. Yeah, it is. It is. So my man of the match is Tynes Kotzer. And I kind of, so for me, it was a real two horse race. It was between Kotzer, who I thought was phenomenal and I love, and Leonie Nakarawa who did absolutely everything. Yeah, that's fair. And I was leaning towards Nakarawa. I think because actually he's probably responsible for more points if you add it up. Fair. But then really, if you'd have said Nakarawa or you said Gonova, I probably would have said Kotsa just to balance it out on the stat sheet. Yeah. But I was leaning towards him anyway. You've gone for Kotsa. I'm going to say man of the match was this unknown guy, unknown man on the Fijian unemployment list. <laughs> Leonie yeah. Nakarawa. Okay, that's fair. So who was your dick of the day? This was it. This was a really difficult one. We're saying went on. I, I didn't have one in mind. I had a few possible contenders. One of them was Buatava for chucking that pass five metres forward into touch. Yes. Um, one of them was Daudela Harpe for not shouldering Saramaya Bai. Yeah. There's a there's a few things. Marias for offloading when there's no one there. But I really struggled to pick one and so i think really much as the true winner that day was rugby the dick of the day was rugby oh that's a great call three matches in that's ballsy (laughs) 
it was either that or like anyone that didn't get up in the morning to watch this. True. Anyone that didn't see like 5.15am Fuji versus Namibia. Nah, I'll skip that one. I'm a lion. Fool. <laughs> Are you telling me then that your official dick of the day on the Squidge Rugby retrospective World Cup thing of rugby is rugby? Yes. <laughs> sure, yeah. We said we'd talk about rugby. We're calling it a dick. <laughs> yeah, you dick. Do you want to know my dick of the day? Or do, I do, Should we yes. just end it now? Yeah, okay. Yes, no, I, I want to um, know your dick of the day. Okay, okay. We've spoken a lot about Namibia being aware of that the cameras were on them. And yes. <laughs> there's a bit of a story here about a certain player who has clearly watched a lot of rugby before and realised that when you're on TV, what the players do is the ball goes out and you take a quick throw in. It doesn't really matter <laughs> right, what the yes. circumstances are. Jacques Nivenhouse... <laughs> Sees the ball goes into touch. He the, pelts it towards, yeah, he pelts towards yeah. the touchline, grabs the ball and just chucks it in when there's nobody there. Yeah. And he just chucks a quick throw to nobody. So for that, and don't get me wrong, I totally appreciate it. I would do the same thing in his shoes. Just go, yeah, yeah, I know how to take quick throws. So my dick of the day is... It's a bit like... House. So both Rugby Challenge and Rugby 20 have yes. a button that comes up very rarely where you can take a quick throw. And every time it does it, you kind of go, oh, I've got to take it, I've got to do a quick throw. It kind of has that moment, doesn't it? To the point at which we've made it a rule that when we play that game, that yes. if we're playing on the same team, if we're playing on different teams, you have to take the quick throw if it comes yeah. up as an option. Exactly. You've got you've got to throw that in. And the thing about that, he chokes it in, there's no one there. And I think it's, I think it's Van Zale who then turns around and kind of goes, right, the ball's here. And he picks it up in kind of that half-hearted, like, I'll choke it back to the sideline way. Then notices two Fijians tackle him. <laughs> and he's kind of being hit. And you hear Nigel Owens, who was the referee. Yeah. And again, it's always, it's a sign of a good game when Nigel Owens hasn't been mentioned. Yeah. Because he normally puts a lot of spotlight on himself. Bless him. But it was a great game. And actually, it's not a coincidence, probably, that it was a wonderful game. And Nigel was yeah, yeah, yeah. very He adapts well, very good. Yeah. To this but Nigel game. then turns to the touch judge and says, is that all right? Are we playing on? And the touch judge <laughs> yeah. kind of shrugs. And he just goes, all right, play yeah. on. <laughs> Screw it. Like, Do what you whatever. want, lads. <laughs> Go on. I'll Dick of the day. shower. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to come for a pint with me. Yeah. <laughs> Jacques Eisenhower, very good shout for Dick of the day. Yeah. Just as, all of you, thank you very much for joining me. You're all good shouts out there. All very good shouts. I haven't said, I didn't say at the top of the show this, and I haven't said it on the others. We'll probably edited a bit in. Thank you very much to Tom Rosenfall for doing the intro. Big up Tom Rosenthal. For making that. We recorded the first two episodes before he'd done it. Um, we still haven't actually heard it. No. So that's it all to happen. shit for all we know. It won't be. It won't no, be. It won't He's be. very good at what he does. Um, this one has been a long one. But as we said before we recorded, I think we're happy for this and the one in the final to be the yeah. longest. To be the ones that really drag on. Because those are my two favourite games of the tournament. Yeah. And as I said, like at the start of this game in my notes... I've just got, oh my God, here we go, written at the top, which I feel like will happen, you know, three or four times throughout a, a tournament of 48 games. Yeah. And I feel like I'm happy for this to be one of those anomalies. Yeah. And this is kind of, it's a game that sings to the rugby nerd part of me because it is everything I want on that. Like I've been on like three tirades about that. <laughs> but thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening all the way yeah, through this, you. like almost hour and a half of us banging on about we're really calling real life i promise we're not like we're (laughs) we're really like i'm not and he's even less so it's quite remarkable really uh (laughs) that that i believe brings us to an end next game is actually kind of another banger this was japan pushing france 
a France team that goes on to make the final, but is completely mental on the way there. Let's just also, just to preface this, this is before Japan were good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is a this is a nuts little Japan team. Uh, they're having a lot of fun playing an even madder French team. It's a fun game. Uh, there's a lot happens in it. We will be joined by a guest for the first time as well. Ooh, I wonder who that is. Which is very exciting. We'll see you. We'll see her. We'll see. I'll see you, Mister Owen. Her. We'll see. Oh, it might not be. It, it might it be, could be Could be a red herring. I. I'll say this now. I really want Israel Falau on this. Yeah, Israel. I know you're listening. Israel Falau is my dream guest. Yeah, he's not blocked me on Twitter yet. He's blocked you Hasn't twice. He? He's so. blocked me t- the first time because I tweeted a a thing to him about how um, how much he loves riding men. And the second time, he just blocked the Squid Rugby account because he clearly knows who I am, which delights me. Yeah. So send Falau nudes. It's my <laughs> if you're a man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Send. <laughs> yeah. Send. Not send us your feedback. Not. We're not asking. <laughs> no, 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 I don't care about in. that. Don't send us letters. Just send definitely everything. don't send us nudes. If you have send any thoughts on this game, send them to Israel Falau. Yeah. Please. <laughs> fill up his inbox. With talk. Of Danny Van Vake. <laughs> I want Israel Palau to wake up one morning. There he is. In the, his new team, the Catalan Dragons. He's, he can't even he go into training. He's been locked down. He checks his mentions. <laughs> and he's so confused. <laughs> Why is everyone talking about Napoleon the Langer? Uh, Izzy Palau, you're right. Saramaya Bai is a bit like a fridge. <laughs> What a game Tina Stuplas he had. <laughs> oh, please do this. if you this. can't remember this game, send him DMs. No bit. I will be for the next few days after this episode goes out, just searching at Izzy Falau and seeing what people are <laughs> sending him. Please make this happen. <laughs> for no other reason, it would delight me. Yeah. And we all, I will say as well, we're recording these before any of them have gone out. Yeah. We're recording the first three or four in advance. So we're kind of stockpiling them as is the lockdown tradition. So I may not see them until later on. It may be a few episodes before we kind of read any out. But please, I want to I wanna dive into those. Yeah. Send this ruffle out all of your thoughts on Johnny Redlin Hayes. Yeah. And until then, until next time. Thanks for persisting. Until France v Japan. We'll see you. Thank you very much for listening. This has been a long and Cheers, guys. Cheers. Good night. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.